It's the Saints and the Yanks. It's the Saints and the Yanks. You used to not like me singing that song. Now you're doing like the Crip Walk dance to it. You must like it now. Uh, no. I just realized I'm not going to change it. So just go with it. It's the Saints and the Yanks. Because you keep singing it. It's the Saints and the Yanks. No. I still don't like it. <laughs> we'll talk about it's the like day. the Jeffersons or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've been thinking about like how how uh, strange could I open this podcast up? But I, I have nothing like Whitney Houston. Oh, you watched the Whitney Houston mu- movie on the plane? What'd you think about it? I told you it's like a really good Lifetime movie. It was good. Was it interesting? It was a step above Lifetime for me yeah. because she played a really good crackhead. You wouldn't know because you you were raised around that. Yeah, she was like, you know, she wasn't even crackhead. She, she was like a crackhead okay. towards the end. So how do how do crackheads... Stop playing with me, Bobby. <laughs> Stop playing with <laughs> me. The way she rubbed on the nose. Other than that, you like the movie? <laughs> you liked it was it? a good movie. <laughs> Okay. I liked it. Okay. And she could sing really well. Okay. <laughs> so I've been listening to this podcast. Did I talk about Sc- Scamanda on the podcast yet? Did I talk about Scamanda? Okay. There's this podcast. Remember Scamanda? Yeah, we listened to it on one, in one of them cities. The, this podcast series named Scamanda. Okay. I watched every or listened to every single episode. It was the number one podcast of all podcasts. I don't know if it will be when this airs. But it's basically about this girl... Named Amanda Riley, mm. who was telling all these people that she had cancer and she was raising all this money. She raised a lot of money. For having cancer. Plot twist, she ain't got cancer. I, and she if, never had cancer. But I'm gonna have to, if you if you ain't listen to it, I'm gonna just tell some of the secrets, if not just fast forward 15 seconds. What threw me is that she was so specific and she had all these antics that she would go through about her having cancer. First of all, there's this one scene they talk about that made me, I was envisioning it in my mind. I was like, this girl is not, Right. Yeah, she was kind of like... She went to church. She was one of the church leaders, okay? You know, the church was giving her all kinds of money because we tried to be generous like Jesus. And so she's sitting in the pew and the girl that's on the interview, she's saying, I heard Amanda turn to her best friend and say, I feel lightheaded. I'm going to go to the bathroom. So Amanda gets up and this is while the pastor is preaching. She walks down the aisle, falls out on the ground, and pees on herself. Now, mind no, you, no, I didn't. I didn't listen. Mind you, I didn't hear that part. If she had cancer, that's a, that's a moment for like, oh my goodness, like we need to give her some help. But the fact she don't have cancer, that means she thought in her mind, I'm going to hold my pee for the perfect performance in this here church. Do you understand how crazy that is so she, to actively choose to pee on yourself and, to continue the lie that you got God's cancer? You stain God's carpet. Anyway, one of the uh, maids, she said, or her nanny, she said, I always thought it was weird how she shaved all her head off because she said she had chemo, but she still had her eyebrows. Wow. <laughs> Evidence. <laughs> why, you, why you still got this? Why they still arched perfectly? She was like, she, <laughs> she was like, she said she had chemo, but she was still gaining weight. And she was like, I just never met nobody. Do you know how nuts you got to be? To act like you got cancer no, I think she, it was it was given sociopath or even psychopath, like just the the That's complete crazy. absence of consciousness, not consciousness like awareness, but a conscience like yeah. N- there's some you have certain, no conviction. There's certain things we shouldn't do. Right, S- all these, are saying it, it's just certain things you just don't. I don't do. mean to shame the girl, but she, anyway, come on, come on, Amanda, just go uh watch Amanda, Amanda Riley. We praying for you, girl. Anyway, we wanted to have a conversation. We don't know where this conversation will go. Nope. Um, a lot of our podcasts actually are that way, where we will say, hey, this is the topic we want to broach, and we will just see how it ends up. And that's kind of what this is, is that we want to have some conversation around church, around preaching, around pastoring, about church membership. I don't know. We just want to have it. And the reason I want to have it is because it's a worthwhile question to have, especially in light of being Mm post-pandemic. I think church is complicated for a lot of people. Like, Like, I remember for me, I really got 
highly adjusted to not having to go to church yeah, for those, too. what, was that a year and a half? Yeah. What about you? I did. I did. Um, I was like, yo, I can see all the NBA games. I don't have to miss <laughs> none. I don't have to, like, watch no reruns, yeah. you know, um, gain a little weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just I got really really comfortable, and uh, also too, what I've seen a I've seen a lot of people um, kind of go you know returning back to church lately, but a lot of people didn't you know, um, and I think a lot of people kind of said, man, do I do I really need church? Mm-hmm. You know, I said, do I really need the community? But then I had a a flux of people saying like I really realize how much I needed community and how much community, uh, not having community really affected me. So I think it just kind of affected people in different ways. I have a theory and I don't have a word from God to prove it per se, but I do, I, I often thought, I wonder if in the, the amount of time that we did not have, like that we weren't uh, gathering together in a local church, if there was a particular grace that God had given Christians, right? Because yeah. he knows we can't gather because people are dying and people are sick and it is a whole pandemic where it's like just because you had the grace, it doesn't mean that the grace is st- going to be extended, yeah. right? Like where he was being merciful towards us to preserve us in light of our inability to gather. But now that we have the ability to gather, I would not presume that that grace is still present. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. No. That, that's a that's a good thought, but also too, I, you know, I remember during the pandemic just briefly thinking about um, all the things that God is doing because God is always doing so many different things mm-hmm. when we just kind of focused on one. And so I was thinking about the people who who took community for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you understanding? Um, the significance of community uh, for the people who uh, who who um, kind of take being in a church community like like lightly like I, I for me uh, there was a comfortableness but it was also a longing for being connected to the church body you know what I'm saying and I was just wondering if all the people who took the the, the church for, for granted in the past did that did that affect them in a particular type of way because um, I, th- I know it, it affected me I think the pandemic it brought to the surface and kind of reinforced any disconnection that was already preexistent. What do you mean? So like with us, we still didn't necessarily feel super connected to our church. We were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't necessarily have those intimate relationships that we had in Chicago. Yeah. And so it, with the pandemic, it didn't feel like I was missing anything. Yeah. It just was, there's no building anymore, but I still feel the same. Yeah. I, so I, I think if people were already disconnected, then it kind of reinforced that idea of why am I, which is a lie to say, I don't need this. Yeah. I don't need them. Um, because that is the metaphor or the, the metaphor of body um, that Paul consistently speaks to in the Gospels ha- has this idea of these different members, these individual people, beings, all being united in one body under one head, right? And so to say that I don't need other Christians is to completely go against the whole grain of the New Testament and even the Old Testament. Yeah. But for me, I can I, understand that feeling. Yeah, for me, like, even though I didn't have the relationships that I had in Chicago, I still kind of just missed the connection of just being able to talk to other Christians. Mm-hmm. On an everyday basis, it was just kind of like you know. But also, too, I think after the pandemic was over, I, I I really felt challenged, and I think we both felt challenged by the Lord to really say, "Man, how can we use our gifts to serve our local community in in a particular way?" Because mm-hmm. I think what the the pandemic and just also. God's conviction is like no, like the church is important, and the church needs all of us yeah. to, to 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 thrive. And I think for me, this is just for me. I think I've always kind of looked at the church and always tried to say like, how can the church be better? But I rarely incorporated myself in that. That's good. I, I, I really say, well, man, how can I add to this body for this body to be better? And I think oftentimes we can do that. We can say, man, the church would be this if you just, this would happen. But this is kind of like, what about the church becoming better when you mm. are active? Why, why do you think we are 
more inclined to criticize the church, we should, there is a, there's a healthy criticism, right? Yeah. But why do you think we are not as apt to see ourselves in the ability to help it be better? Like, what is that in us? Because I think it could be many things. I, I don't think it's just pride. It could be insecurity, yeah, right? It, it could be insecurity, but I think it, I, I think it could be insecurity. I also think it could be a lack of awareness mm. of, of your own sinfulness. It's kind of like when, you know, you sin, you be like, Lord, I know you forgive me. And then it's like somebody else sin, it's like shame on them, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that um, the Lord has to kind of show you that no, like this body that you're critiquing, you're also a part of, right? Uh, you, you, you are also a member of this body. And if you haven't added anything to this body, like why are you complaining that much? And I, I know the Lord really had to convict me of that a couple of times. And, uh, and so I think it could be a, a mixture of, of those things and maybe even more than I'm, I'm not thinking about. Yeah, I think arrogance is what you said, which is, you know, it, it's kind of like when uh, Jesus was saying how we, we could see the the speck in our brother's Brother eye, side. but we, we need to actually remove the plank out of our own eyes so that we could actually discern properly. Yeah. And, and so I, I think we are, we are naturally really good at seeing specks, yeah. at seeing little problems all the time. Um, and I think some of that is fair and healthy. God has made us observant. Mm-hmm. God has given us the ability to see a problem. That's a good thing to see a problem. I think the problem is when we have no in, like we don't put that same amount of energy into seeing how we can how we can walk alongside to fix that problem. Yeah. Um. So whether the problem, like the problem, could be you don't like the worship team, right? right? Like I don't know. They flat every Sunday. Jesus. Everybody on here. I keep telling you about it. Everybody on here might be really holy where they could go to a church where the worship team is like, ah. We and lift our hands in the sanctuary. Let me, let me key. Go ahead. We lift our hands give you the glory. We lift our hands just to give you the praise. And you just tuned in it out. It's but about you, Jesus. It's, uh, I love this song. Like, I can't do that. I can't because I'm musically inclined, right? So it's so hard for me to push past bad worship singing to worship Jesus. I know that's my thing. But go ahead. What are you going to say? I, I, I don't want I want to change the subject. I want, I want to let you finish that because I have a question for you. Go ahead. Do you think, in light of that, do you think... That that churches should consider how I love how random this conversation is because we just jump should consider how <laughs> not so good worship music can be a deterrent to keep people away from church. I think it's complicated. Okay. Okay. Break because it down. Because sometimes quality musicians cost more than the church has resources for. Okay. That's one. Make it plain. Two, I think sometimes the leadership actually just doesn't have the same uh, love or concern for the music than they have for the discipleship or the preaching, right? So they might have excellent preaching, Mm -hmm. but the music is like, "Ah," you know what I'm saying? Like we, so they just don't care like that. Yeah. So I, I think the concern should be God's glory. It's not bogus to see and experience worship or to see the worship team and be like, that could be better. Yeah. It's another thing when you're griping about it and you're not praying. Yeah. Or you're not going to the leadership and saying, hey, I have a friend who, you know, has a, a master's degree in, in music or something like that. Like she can help yeah. to, to to help them learn, you know, their notes. Like just try to imagine what is your skill set and what are the resources that you have that you can then bring to the team. That's, that's For some of us, all we got is prayer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the responsibility has to fall on the church as a whole. And when I say the church as a whole, I'm just not talking about leadership. I think it's, I think it, it, it's, it's members in the congregation who might complain about things like worship and stuff like that, who might have a particular skill set 
that that can serve this church and this particular community and and just haven't stepped up. And it can also be leadership that that hasn't um, really taken into consideration that maybe we probably put so much emphasis on making sure we get the text right that we are not really understanding that people's experience is a whole, it should be a holistic experience. For sure. Right? And some people... You know, it might be a hindrance for them, you know, to go to church every single day and not enjoy the worship. Some people can't even experience a sermon. I know people that will skip worship to go to the Word. Or So, for example, when I was in St. Louis, we would go to one church for the worship and then leave that church to go to our church to hear the sermon. I don't recommend that. I was 19, 20, 21. I was just like, I'm going to get some good word and worship. I can't, I can't, I can't do either or. Okay. Wow. But now I've, I've become much more flexible yeah. in my ability to. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've seen that. Entertain. I've, and, I, and I've seen that, but also too, Lacks you know, in light of, in light of, on, on the flip side. <laughs> musicality. On the flip side, maybe the issue is in worship because I think I've heard so many people. It's, it's Are you going to talk about preaching? Yeah, it's it's always those two things. It's you know some people love yeah, the worship. Right, ain't nobody mad that y'all uh, serving communion. You know, slow. Yeah, they it's could all, be quicker with the with the cups. It's always it's always worship <laughs> or the teaching. You know, uh, and uh, for me, you know, I, I love this this um, this church that I I spoke at in London, we were in London, where the pastor was saying, you know, we're um, charismatic in our expression, but we're something, like we're, we're... Reformed in our theology. Reformed in our theology. And um, I don't necessarily love the word reform, but, like, I think what he just means is we try to stay true to the text and we try to, you know, be biblically accurate. Um, and now I don't necessarily think that means automatic reformed. Right. But I, I love when you can go to a church um, and you have, you have both thriving... Um, the teaching and the worship thriving, and so like, what would you say? Because earlier you made like a little a little tweet about preaching. <laughs> you should read it. Well, it's a thread. It's a thread, technically. And uh, um, I want to pick your thoughts about that. I'll just generalize it. So that's another area that can be a bit complicated for me. Why did you just turn into Katie? <laughs> anytime you do something you naturally develop an eye for it, right? And so when I am listening to teaching and preaching, I am listening to not just the content, but even the technique um, because you're you're functioning in a world that I live into, right? Um, And I think what um, I was trying to get at with the threads is really this idea that there seems to be an inordinate preoccupation with preachers being clever, so much so that they are more imaginative and creative than they are doctrinal. And so there's a lack of education and teaching and primarily teaching about Jesus Mm -hmm. that is filling up the pulpits and even the sermon clips that we see on Instagram. And I see this as a problem. One, because even Paul says like, I I made sure not to know nothing among y'all, but Jesus and him crucified, lest my wisdom take away from his power, right? And so I I see the opposite of that, where it's like, no, I I want my wisdom and I want my intellect and I want my creativity and I want my my rhetorical skills to be the thing that is first and foremost. But what that does is it hinders Christ from being seen where people are joining the the church going to the altar call, responding, not because of the power of the gospel and the cross as illuminated and energized by the power of the spirit, but because you were good at what you said. Yeah. That is a problem to me. Yeah, let me just say something uh, regarding that. I think that's, I think that's good. Uh, one, I want to just say a lot of the pastors that I've seen kind of do this or teachers that I've seen do this, I want to just, just want to affirm them because a lot of them are just very smart brilliant people. And I think a lot of times are the natural intelligence and the brilliance that God has given us can be a hindrance when we, when we allow that to be the forefront 
before the word, right? Um, and before we really dig into a text to try to see, no, what does God want to communicate here? Because I think a lot of times when we read something, because we can be imaginative or because we can be very creative or because we... Which is fine. A, a parable is creative. Yeah, right, 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 right. Let me just say this. I think I think a lot of times we can look at a text and we can say, man, how can I, you know... Um, um, make this more relatable to the people, right? And I think sometimes even getting a, re- a particular response is the, is, the, is the motivating factor than allowing, like, God to be clear here. And I'm not saying everybody is doing this. I'm just saying it, it, that, can, that can be a temptation, especially when you're getting a lot of praises and shouts and amens on a sermon. But I, I, I do think people underestimate how much they can still do that if they take a little more time just studying God's word and studying the text, you can still do all of those things and it would actually make make the sermon even more powerful, mm-hmm. right? If you would just take time to say, man, like what is, what, what is God trying to communicate here? Because I think a lot of times, you know, a pastor gets off the stage, they read a, a sermon, but at the end, they just said a whole bunch of quotables and they didn't actually communicate what God was trying to communicate to us. And I think I have a, a couple of issues with how that's done. So what was you, what was you about to say? I always have so much to say about this. I don't want this to become a preaching podcast, but I think one of the reasons somebody could preach a quote unquote sermon, because it's not a sermon, but one reason someone could preach a so-called sermon that is 30, per, 30 minutes of them and illustrations and entertainment and all the things without the word of God. Like even we have sat under some teaching where the person was like, the, like the whole sermon is kind of like a really well-rounded motivational speak thing. And then they'll quote a passage and we're like, well, I ain't got time to get to the passage. It's like, why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> but so if if you don't have time to get to the passage, that means you, you don't think that the power and the authority rest in the passage. Right. It rests in what you have to say. It rests in... Uh, it and rest- that's not authority. Yeah. And, 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 and let me just clarify something because I think some people might hear us say, man, they want everything to be exegetical. No. That's not necess- That's not what we're saying. Everything doesn't have to be exegetical teaching. I, I don't- Jesus wasn't even exegetical. Right. Say. Right. And I think a lot of times we've learned uh, or we've been taught that the only way to be biblically accurate is to kind of conform to like this, this Western, That's good. Um, you know, mostly how white men have taught us how to read and study and teach the scriptures. And I do think that, you know, you can be topical and still biblical. The The problem is, is when we, when we teach the text, right? And while we're teaching the text, we're not pointing people back to Jesus. Jesus. That's 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 the only issue. So you could be topical, you could be exegetical, but it's like, man, have you given have you have you given people a bunch of quotables, or have you point pointed people to the reason why this text was inspired by the Holy Spirit in the first Even place? Even if people just took a survey of their favorite preacher, because part of part of this that's conflicting is we're not even talking about people's pastors necessarily yeah. because I, I've heard from pastors, they will say people listen to preacher influencers more than they do me. Right? right. And so just your favorite sermon, how much word did he quote or she quote? How much time did they spend in the text? Like compare, like time it out. If they were in that text for two minutes, bro, and the rest 40 minutes was about sometimes it was all application it was all illustration that's the problem to it me it is because like you have people who are dead in sin you have people who are suicidal you have people who have lost friends and family you have people that are, are over here going into witchcraft and you're giving them everything but what they need yeah i have a problem with that for example romans 1 Verse 16, if you love Lecrae, you know this verse. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. How are people going to be saved if there is no gospel, Preston? Yeah, yeah. So that tells me you don't care. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a, it has to be a gospel presentation because one, the people in the congregation, the people in the pews or the chairs, whatever, they need they need to hear the gospel, but 
it also oh, needs to be okay. Calm. Okay. It's going to be okay. It bothers me. It's a fire in my wife's belly it right now. Uh, uh, but also I think people need to, to, to hear a, a, a sermon and a text that points back to, to Jesus because we don't understand how much teachers are not only just teaching people, but they're also teaching people how to read the Bible. Yes. We're yes. teaching people how to read the text, right? And so a lot of times people can leave this, the, the service knowing how to quote their pastor with these fancy quotables, but they don't know how to go home and read the Bible for themselves mm-hmm. because that is also a form of discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, like this was a shadow like we, this 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 um this um this um sermon uh, of the Old Testament is not just of how we can get rid of our haters or how we can stop doing this and stop doing that and how we can come up and how we can be mm-hmm. successful in the business. No, this was a shadow of what was to come, and so we don't understand how big that is mm-hmm. for somebody to see. No, wow. This was pointing back to Jesus 700 years before he actually came, mm-hmm. right? And so when they go back to, to their homes, they have a framework mm-hmm. of everything that we read in mm-hmm. the Bible points to a person. Mm-hmm. And that person is not me. Mm-hmm. That person should not be me, right? And so and so we have to see it, not just, oh, I'm giving a gospel presentation, being redundant every single week. No, I'm, we, we have to see that this is also a form of discipleship. Yes. Yes. I thought she was going to say something after that. I'm trying to to decipher what is worthy of of being said. Um, I think I empathize with many of the people who are attracted to that kind of teaching and preaching um, because it feels good. It feels encouraging. It feels inspiring. But what I'm saying is that wisdom inclines me to say that it's not solid. It's sinking sand. What's solid is Christ Jesus himself. And so when the winds and the waves come, will your house be able to stand on that kind of teaching? I don't think it will. And so that I guess that's what's in my mind is our ability to actually stay rooted in Jesus. And we can't stay rooted in Jesus if we don't know him. And if we're not learning about him and if we're not seeking him, and if the majority of the sermon is just about me, then it's not actually about him. He did not just die for me to learn about me. He died so I could know God. Yeah, That's why I'm here. That's why I have a brain. And so... I think I'm I'm saying that because I want to give language for how to discern when that kind of teaching is what you're being taught because you don't even know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On the positive end, I think uh I told you I told you this before. It was at the church, maybe a couple of months ago. I was like, I wonder how social media is actually making it hard for most local pastors. What do you mean? Because on social media also what you got is you kind of got top tier preaching. I'm not saying content, but like stylistically, yeah. you got people that are really great rhetorically. Yeah, they, those they, are the they people know who how get the most followers quick. But I think like it it can make it hard for teachers and pastors. They're they're not great rhetorically, but they're solid. Yeah. And so I just what do you think about that? Like how social media is even influencing the 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 standards people are setting for what they want in church. I will warn people. I will warn people to one pray about what type of leadership that you go up under locally and what kind of influences you listen to on social media because it is way more beneficial to be under somebody who points you to Jesus than it is to be under somebody who just merely entertains you. It, it, it is it is way it is way more beneficial, and I think you know praise God if you get both. Yeah. But but you know, uh, a good example. Tony Evans is a both. Yes. Uh, a excellent, clear, winsome, persuasive communicator. One of my also favorites of all time. Solid. One yeah. of my favorites of all time. Um, yeah, and, and Charlie Dates. Charlie Dates. Tim Keller. Tim Keller. Um, uh, Eric Mason. Eric Mason. Yeah. The, yeah. So many good passes that do both. And so praise God if you can get both. Mm-hmm. Right. But the 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 main thing is you want to be up under somebody who shows you God because 
at the end of the day, it's more important for somebody to show you God because that will do is that will teach you how to look for God when you're not at church. Mm-hmm. It shows you, okay, he he points to he points to, to 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 Jesus in every single passage, and so he might not be the most entertaining pastor. But when I go home, I have a framework to how to to, to, to read the scriptures and to know how to look for him myself mm-hmm. because I'm seeing it modeled every single week. Mm-hmm. And I could practically say. You know, listen to somebody that's boring is hard. It is. (laughs) I'm bored by a lot of preachers. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, okay, like you really going to speak at this level? But can I say something though? Go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off, but I used to, I used to feel the same way. Mm -hmm. But that's because I was, that's because I myself was shallow in God's word. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, I I can, I, I, I was able to, and also too, a lot of people who I thought was boring that ended up not being born when I when I mm. learned the word for myself because mm-hmm. I thought Tim Keller was born. Yeah, when you started to swim in the text. Yes, when yeah. I first started hearing Tim Keller like back in the day, I was like, this man don't don't raise his voice not one time <laughs> or whatever. But but he became one of my favorite. R.P. Um, Tim Keller. He mm-hmm. became one of my favorite favorite Bible teachers because I knew he was going to point me to Jesus, yeah. and I knew he was going to do it. This man had the ability <laughs> to say the most pro- profound things mm-hmm. in the most mundane way. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was just like, "Yo, this man is amazing." You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But back then, I didn't have an ear for it because I was I, I was I spent so much time trying to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even know what being pointed to Jesus even looked like. Yeah. I think that's excellent what you just said. Um, And I would add, I think you cannot compare what you see on social media to what you experience locally. Yes. Right? And so social media, whoever is popping up in your algorithm, um, whoever is the most popular, they're usually going to be really good communicators because that's the way social media is, is, is structured. It's structured for us to... Um, platform and propel up those who ha- keep our engagement, mm-hmm. right? And so when it comes to your local church community, if the pastor or the preachers aren't as great as a communicator as you would like, listen to what they're saying. Like, what? who are they pointing you toward? Who are they showing you? But even how they live, I, th- I think we undervalue the fact that we have access to the people that are preaching to us. You get what I'm saying? Like, it is it is better for me to be underneath a pastor who may not be the greatest preacher, but he's solid and he's, and he's holy. Mm-hmm. That, I like... The cats on social media, I actually don't know how they live. Yeah. I, I actually, I don't know their life. I can't yeah. even go into their homes to see if what they're telling me is true. Facts. Don't put your and whole, how it shows up in their People don't life. know how we live. That's what I'm saying. We can be out here ratchet. But we have people in our local community who can see us or are learning to see us and get access to us as we're trying to build like more intimate relationships. But my, my point is, is I think we have to interrogate our value system when it comes to the local church. Like, what are we valuing? Are we valuing just really good skills? Are we valuing integrity? Are we valuing honor? Are we valuing love? Are we valuing gentleness? Like, do they look like Jesus? That should encourage you to listen to that man or listen to that woman if you go to a church where the the, the pastor is. Like, listen to them, watch them. And if they actually live what they're saying, to me, that is more monumental than if they can't teach that. Because at the end of the day, that's what's gonna last yeah that's what's what's gonna last that's good now while we're here while we're here there's so many things we could say but I I do want to what is what's the point I get cause we got friends that are Christian we Christian Kim's a Christian, Abishai's a Christian. Like, like we're surrounded by, we're a community now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so why do I have to go to a local church when just being around my Christian friends is also a community? One, I, I think God is a God of order. And so, you know, I think he he's given us, the Bible says he's given us shepherds after his own heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm no shade to Kim, but she can't shepherd me. She can, you know, give me a... <laughs> she can shoot you. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I I do think that we need... The Bible says that we need people to tend, 
you know, to, to, to our, to our souls and to care for us spiritually. Um, and God has always used people to help carry out his will. And I think, um, the local church is a great example of how God's order, um, is, it's, he, his wisdom is in that order, right. Of having leaders, of having deacons, of having pastors and all of the, all, all of this stuff. And so I, I do think that, um, because we are rebellious, because we are sinful, because we fall, right? Um, we we can't just look at Jesus as our only authority. No, He has given us earthly people to be an authority yeah. over us, and so I think that we, you know um, we can't lead amongst one another if mm. we can't be led mm. spiritually. And so I think that's one that's a, a huge thing mm-hmm. is being under, under under leadership, but also too, I I, I think. There, it, it is something special about when a group of bo- a, a body of people come together to intentionally worship the God, mm. worship God mm. as a as a as a local body. I think mm. God delights in it. I think God um, is is it's just really pleased when a, a a body of people come together to sing and to hear about Him and commune. I think that His presence is there in a, in a, in a special type of way. Um, and so, those are the two things that pop in my head. The, f- the first. I want to turn to something. I had an ecclesiology class uh, last semester that was really good for my heart when it came to the church. Yeah, because I think I had I had gotten a little disillusioned by the local church. because you, I've, I've shared my story with it, when it comes to church a couple times about like how I was a part of like a church that was low key, highly legalistic, a little cultish. Our pastor was uh, using scripture to sexually manipulate people and get money out of us. And so there was a, a big season in my life where I was like, I'm good on church. And then I joined the church in St. Louis and realized that it was the church that healed me from church hurt. Right. And so I think during during that experience, I realized that when God uses when God shows up in the earth, a lot of times it's through other Christians. Yeah. And so like me being disconnected from them kind of hinders and limits the access to God that I can experience. Mm. I say all that to say, in my ecclesiology class, um, he brought up this text as, as a foreshadow of the church, which was so crazy to me. So let me go to it. It's in Exodus 19. Okay. Uh, Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses, listen to this, brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And then uh, verse 19, as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Um, Obviously, God starts to give his law and the commandments to his people. But what you see is God's people gathering in one place to meet with God and hear teaching. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a that's a foreshadow of now what we have called this this church, this this body of people that God has saved for himself, but not only reconciled us to the Father, but but connected us to each other. Mm-hmm. And so it it just we we are missing something if we don't Gather, gather yeah. together to, yeah. to meet with God and to to hear God's word. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So it's 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 in the scripture how the gathering of believers underneath the preach word of God and sure. communion and the sacraments and all of that. It's just it's all very important. And I'm, so I'm not ignorant. I'm not ignorant about how that just is a turnoff for people who have been hurt or people who have seen the church. Uh, or churches not do stuff right. Like even like all these documentaries we got coming out. We yeah. got Hillsong come out. They got two of them. We got the little Duggars documentary about the people that had like 20 some kids. Yeah. Like I've been wondering how that might be. I, I love what you said though, before you even read the scripture though, because about your experience with um, essentially church hurt and how God used another church to heal you. And I, and I, I do think that's just a testament of, of God because oftentimes we run away from the things. Uh, we run away from the things that will actually help us. Like God will use the same thing that 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 wounded you to heal you, right? And 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 that's people. And so a, a lot of I think we said this on the church hurt episode a couple of years ago. But a lot of times God wants you to to heal from church hurt by connecting back with the church. 
it, it, it is God has always used people to help carry out his will, mm. you know, and, and, and that's not really going to change. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you want to be connected to his people. And so just because some of his people hurt you doesn't mean God can use some of his people to help heal you. And so like, I, I, just, I thought that was powerful. I said this in our one of our podcasts before, but I want to repeat it because I think it's good for this conversation. We repeat a lot of stuff on this podcast. You know, it's five years ago. People don't remember. Um, When I was struggling with rejoining church, because I was out of church for a year, because I was like, pastors are liars, bro. Like, I I just was so good. I was like, I got my friends. I got the Bible. You know, Priscilla Shire, she showed me how to make a little prayer closet. Like, I'm straight. (laughs) And the pastor of that church, he led me to this text and the spirit of God used it to convict me. Um, It's Acts chapter nine, verse four. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice. This is Paul, Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And I had never realized that Jesus so identifies with his church that to come at the church is to come at Jesus. Yeah. And so to me, that had that 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 meant I needed to change my language and my perspective around the church because God cares for that's his that's his bride. That's his wife. But we have to think about, we have to think about like. And we're not talking about enemies of the church. There's a distinction between calling out, exposing and critiquing enemies of the church. But we don't want to carry that same critique and energy on people who are actually members of the church. Yeah, because I I think we have to think about that encounter that Paul had on the way to Damascus when Jesus kind of knocked him off his high horse, literally. 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 Um, and we have to look at his heart posture once he became a Christian and once he, you know, mm. God changed his name. That's and that's one of the reasons why he said, I, Paul, I'm the worst of all sinners when he was writing to the church. Right. And so Paul had this heart posture that said, man, like, I'm not going to come and just complain about the church because I recognize what God brought me from. I still rem- I'm still very much connected to what God brought me from and how him, how much he showed me that I was hurting this 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 his broad that he mm-hmm. that he that he loved. And I think a lot of times we could just be we can grow so accustomed to being a part of a church that we don't really see her as somebody. Mm that God really, really cares for and how we were low-key persecuting it. Yeah, because it's if we know that God cares for us, we know and we quote Philippians, he who started a good work will finish it. But that's plural. Like he who started a good work in the church yeah. will finish it. So the same hope you have we for just, your own sanctification. We just apply that scripture to us. That's He'll finish the work in me. I don't know about the church. <laughs> or like that we are his beloved and, and we are his friend and we are his child. and No, no, we are his beloved and we are no. his ch- children. Like, like that, he, the, the, what I'm saying is, is the same affection that we recognize that Christ has for us and the same intention that Christ has uh, put towards making sure that at the end of the day, we're going to be all right and we're going to be holy. We have to apply that logic to the body. No, nah, that was literally me when I was a young Christian and Brian was like, yo, you church hopping and you need to get in the local church. I Like not only... Bruh, the, the Bible says that we're all members of this body. I didn't even act like a toenail. Like I, like I, <laughs> what? you know, like, like, like I criticized the church so much. What did that do for you? Cause sometimes criticism is a way to get the pain out. Yeah. And for me, I felt rejected. The mm-hmm. first church that I, I went to, they told me I didn't have the Holy Spirit cause I didn't speak in tongues. And so I'm like, yo, like I got, you know, my, my videos on YouTube are starting to blow up and other churches are recognizing the gifts mm-hmm. in me. And so forget the church. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, God has gifted me. I'm new. I don't smoke weed no more. I don't fornicate no more. But y'all telling me I'm not a Christian because I don't speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. I was deeply wounded by that. Yeah. And I was just ch- church hopping, yeah. church hopping. And, and when I would go to do poetry at these at these spots I would be a Christian but I would always in my spills between poems I would always just boo-boo on the church mm-hmm. and it wasn't until you know um the guy Brian died like started to like follow me to all my places it was like yo 
I, I see something in you, but you need to be connected to a local body. I'm like, no, nah, you just want to control me. And he was like, no, nah, I think that you have some church hurt. You've been wounded and you need to realize that God wants you a part of this body. He just don't want you to use your gifts out in the world mm. and boo-boo on this body, yeah. right? Um, and uh, not only did he want me a part of the body, he wanted me to realize that I am a part of this body. Mm-hmm. Like I'm literally a part of the same body mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm abusing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm abusing. Church membership is just an outward expression of a spiritual reality. Yeah. You you are spiritually in, in a, a ch- body. Yeah. Um, local church membership doesn't necessarily govern that. It's an expression of that. It's an expression of that, yeah. yeah. And I and I was I was I was kind of shunning that expression yeah. and um while still thinking you know i can i can just be i be i you know doing poetry and everybody church yeah and so yeah yeah i really the lord really had to correct me it was like yo you need to you need to chill <laughs> one and you need to be like paul and realize that you are the worst of all sinners mm-hmm. uh, and humble yourself and when i did that i was able to i was able to grow yeah i was really able to grow when i became connected to a a solid group of believers who who was able to care for me, who was able to correct me, who was able to, to cultivate gifts in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was gifts in me. It was a gift. Like, I, I just knew I was a talented poet that I, God gave me the gift of writing. I didn't know I was an evangelist. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I had the gift of teaching. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to, I didn't know, I didn't know none of that mm-hmm. until I got in the local community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel conflicted only because conflicted because i'm i'm hearing or just anticipating some of the pain that conversations like this bring up for people um and i'm thinking through how do i how do i encourage how do i speak to how do i stir up hope and i, I guess one is to acknowledge that people who are called christians hurt people yeah deeply hurt people, you know, sexually abuse people, steal their money or just dishonor them or or look over them or ignore them. I think about uh, how the Lord has been inclining my heart to pray for older saints in the church who are over 70 who are being ignored and not being acknowledged and their mm. gifts aren't being utilized or used. That was deep when the Lord started to show you that during your glory events. I never even thought about older people in the church we don't. who don't feel seen. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, and, and they have, I never thought about that. They have a wealth, wealth of wisdom and history. I think about singles in the church who, who, who will, who will say out loud, like, "Y'all really treat me like I'm a leper because I'm not married." Like I'm thinking about all of that and how it makes sometimes the church a hard place to be. Um, but I guess my encouragement is God. God loves her. God has his sights set on her. Mm -hmm. God has promised to finish the work in her that he started. God, like when you, when you read Revelation 19, what what do you see? You don't, you don't see one solo Christian. You see, you see a millions of believers gathered together underneath the light and the glory of God. And so I think it's worth trying again. I yeah. think it's worth considering again. I think it's worth bearing with your brothers. Um, and what it what it really, I think, um, forces us to do is to be dependent on God. Like yeah. you, you need God's love and his power and his strength and his courage and his healing to be able to love the church that he's called yeah. us to love. Because before we started this podcast, we didn't know what in what direction it was going to go in. And I know we did a, a church hurt episode before and and it kind of you know ended with church hurt or it's ending with church hurt uh, or went in the direction of church hurt but I, I do think um, that's just something that's always going to be relevant because when you are in a in a group of people you're always going to get wounded mm-hmm. because people are flawed um, and we're not saying uh, tolerate abuse or manipulation, right? Uh, expose those things when wolves and sheep clothing um, s- start to hunt you. Like, no, we're saying like, man, like when you are connected to any body of people, um, you're going to get wounded. But if it's God's people, um, it is still the safest place to be. And we just have to believe that by not merely believing in people, but believing in the God of the of those people. And so that's one thing I really had to challenge myself with. It's like, no, like, am I putting my hope in people or am I putting my hope 
in the God of this people, mm-hmm. right? Um, because people are going to fail me, mm-hmm. but God is never going to fail, fail us. And he's going to use us as a collective body to accomplish his will to the world. And so, like, I, I think we have to just model that the best way possible. You mind praying for the people listening? People yeah. who might have been hurt, who who need healing, people who are looking for churches and can't find them. Because people it's, it's who are frustrated because it's definitely not, a draw in Atlanta. Yeah, so, people who are frustrated because they're not getting what they want out of a particular church. I pray for those stuff. people. Yeah. So let's just pray real quick. Dear Lord, we thank you, God, for this podcast. God, we didn't know exactly what we were going to say, but we prayed and we asked you to lead us and to help us to show us what you wanted us to say. And so, God, I just thank you, God, not only for your word, but your um, leading. Um, you are a good God who leads your people into all truth. Um, you sent your son who knew no sin to become sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. And the son sent the Holy Spirit to convict us of righteousness and, and in truth. And so, God, I thank you uh, that the whole triune God of Scripture has not only played an active role in our salvation, but has played an active role in our sanctification. And so, God, I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you, God, for the church, um, the church that you have established um, for your people, for us to learn, for us to be corrected, for us to be built up, for us to just commune with you. And so, God, I just pray for the people um, who are listening. Um, Church can be a very complicated thing um, because uh, it's filled with complicated people. And so, God, I pray for the the person that's listening who feels confused about where where should they worship. I pray, God, that you lead them um, to the right church um, that that will serve them well, that would nourish them well, that will care for them well, um, that will that will grow them well. I pray for the person who's at a church and it's and and they don't they want to leave, Lord, but they feel like you're not um, allowing them to leave. God, would you give them the strength to endure? Would you give them the strength to um, to withstand um, the frustration? Um, even would you help them to communicate um, with their leadership in a way that that glorifies you, that brings change, the change that you want them to to bring to the, at that local community? I pray for the leaderships um, of, of these churches, Lord. I pray God that they would um, have um, in a more attentive ear to their congregation. I pray God that they will really hear the cries of the people. That they will hear the hearts of the people, that they will see um, young and old, that they will see um, educated and non-educated, that they will see everybody, Lord. I know being a shepherd, um, being a pastor of a church is no easy task. It is. It comes with spiritual attacks. It comes with um, sacrificing time with family. It comes with so much, Lord. And so, God, I just pray for our spiritual leaders that you will encourage them, that you will build them up. I pray against people in the congregation who, to be quite frank, sometimes is used by the enemy to beat up leaders, <laughs> to beat up pastors, to discourage them. I pray, God, that you will convict them of sin. I pray, God, that you will restore the relationship between leaders and, and congregates. I pray, God, that you will restore the relationship of people who have been wounded by leadership um, to their pastors, God. And I just pray, Father, for the church as a whole, that you will build us up in righteousness and in truth, and that you will lead us, God, to all truth um, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you. We thank you. We believe you for all we have asked in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. With the Perrys is produced by the Perrys with support from Amanda Reed and Channing B. McBride. Editing by Xavier Fairley. Video recording and audio production by Kim Powell. Artwork by Hop and music by Swoop. If you'd like to support the Perrys, you can visit the link in the show notes. This is With the Perrys. Thank you for listening. Now go with God.